Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 15, entitled East. Uh, what do you think of this episode? You know, I was kind of conflicted last night when we were doing the live watch, but after I've watched it this morning, um, I feel like The Walking Dead has really fallen into some of its badder, worse uh, instincts and habits. Okay. Like, like, the entire conceit of this episode is horseshit. From what angle? Like, like if you ask me, do I believe that Daryl would go after Carol and not listen to anyone and be that selfish? I, yeah, even this far in his development, I think that he would still do something like that and abandon the larger group. Okay. Everyone else going after him. Like, you're talking, you're, you're essentially sending six people out for one person in a mm-hmm. time of war, and they all know it. It's like, I and do I believe that Rick would want to do that? But... I just felt like there was you know you need someone like Abraham like to grab him and like look soldier this is a fucking war this isn't you know Rick and Carol's playtime anymore get get your shit together <laughs> right right like, like if Morgan wants to go out as a load I think I, I guess that's what I well, thought well one they small were correction Daryl is not going after Carol Daryl is going after the killer okay, of Denise you're right yeah. you're right so you're, I'm sorry really they're going out of out for two separate people and I feel like it all falls on Rick. Rick should know better, right? Like he, but but I, I think if Rick had just been like, you know, had had not wanted to, you had to have the tension of him wanting to go get his people and be concerned with them. But you also needed sure. to have maybe Abraham or and or Maggie, who seems to be the de facto leader now, say you can't do that. You've you've got something larger here to protect, and there's not that really come. Yeah, I mean, I, Dar- Glenn, Glenn says, says something. We 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 need our numbers, but uh-huh. he's also the one leading the charge. I mean, you think right. of who's left to defend Alexandria, Maggie, Abraham, who's pregnant, Maggie, Abraham and Sasha, Carl, who's a kid, Carl is a badass but a kid. You've got way more of your fighters on the outside than you got on the inside. Right? It's just it's it's dumb. I'm with it's you. Dumb. It's a big mistake. Uh, and I feel like, as the leader, Rick should should recognize that right. it's a mistake, and he shouldn't go out at the very least. Yeah, he should stay. I, back. I think he should want to, but yes. someone should call him. And maybe maybe Abraham has to cold cock him, knock him out to keep him in there. I, he should cold cock himself. Like he should be smart <laughs> sure. enough to understand this, right? I, I yeah. Um, so I yeah, I'm with you. That that part really bugged me uh, on second watch. Uh, I, I I get Daryl. Like Daryl goes out. He wants to. You know, I get the impression that he wants to he wants to handle this before Tara gets back, so mm-hmm. that he'll have something, some piece of the puzzle to put together for Tara. Yeah, say I, mean, I got the bastard who did this. But. Yes, it's for very selfish reason reasons, but I do believe that Daryl still has enough of the untamed Daryl left in him that he couldn't see you're not past gonna, that, and you're not going to stop him. No, right. So you got to let him go. But like I, the the fact that everybody is out there just seemed yeah. like, uh, we need. <laughs> some hostages and we need to make this you know these saviors a big splash so we'll just have all this stuff happen simultaneously right to maximize the the the, the potential but i i just i don't know man i thought it was and a little stuff that's spoilery that i'm not going to talk about maybe they're trying to mix it up a little bit could be for things that we know are are coming up as an audience it should uh, be a pretty lively spoiler spoiler section yeah uh, but then so like here again it's going to be another nitpicker's delight because once i started thinking like oh this is kind of horseshit i started noticing 
you know, characters having very loud arguments while they're walking through what they now know. I mean, they're not in, under any illusion. Like, Glenn is especially making the point that these people know way more than us. We thought that we had the upper hand. We don't. But he's still, like... You know they're not. Try- I mean, they're not trying to sneak through the forest. They're 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 asking to be ambushed. And yeah. again, it'd be one thing if they didn't know the saviors are out there. But we're halfway through this like war that Rick has declared, and I feel like that's really dumb. But they need it right. to happen. Or and also like you know you get absurd stuff like people getting the drop on Daryl. Yeah. When he is sneaking yeah. through the woods, like, can you? Does that mean that these guys are like better than Daryl? In which case, I think Mar Group is fucked, man. Right, because Daryl's one of the best, right, at that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's tough because I I do want to also just say, just sort of gloss over that stuff and say, you know what, The Walking Dead is what The Walking Dead is, and I have to either accept it or give up and. I don't know. I'd, I well, hate to nitpick yeah. over the same things over and over, but it they go- keep making the same mistakes. So. And it goes back to, like, you know, we we, we always, when, when The Walking Dead is really good, it's like, is this a mistake? Did they just kind of yeah. happen upon these variables that put them on an arc that's interesting uh, and, 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 and compelling without being artificial? Um, I, because it's an episode like this that makes me think, man, just when I thought that they had kind of really you know, had a firm hand on the wheel and they had the ship plotted in the right direction. You, they just, I mean, and there's no excuse for it. There's no, none of the plots that were coming up to this point. Like I was, you know, you, you listen to last week's episode. I wasn't like, Oh, this is crazy. What Carol's doing. Like I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe it sets up an interesting thing. And, but I don't know. I feel like this was just self-inflicted gunshot wounds to the show itself. But having said that, I still maintain it's hard for me to believe that this show is going to be anything but compelling next week. Yeah, uh, I would hope that's the case. I mean, you know, if nothing else, you've got all essentially every one of the characters that we care about, save Rick and Carl and Judith, uh, who are kind of up for grabs. Mm-hmm. They're uh, all kind of in danger at the in, moment. In yeah. enemy hands. So mm-hmm. that alone should be pretty compelling to resolve. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I I don't have strong feelings about this episode. Yeah, I think they're making some of the same mistakes, but it wasn't it wasn't by far the worst I've seen of The Walking Dead. But it wasn't nearly the best either. No, it's, it's just it's somewhere just disappointing because I thought I thought maybe that uh, we just wouldn't see an episode like this again. Yeah. Oh well. Are we ready for the feedback or yeah. for the? Yeah, Recap. so we start the cold open with I don't what you what would what would you call this like a Mad Max cartage of this. Yeah, I don't know. This I, Sonic the Hedge, Carol the Hedgehog mobile going down the road, and there's vo- like very faded out voiceovers of Carol ordering someone to come out, and there's yelling, and there's gunshots, and there's transmission fluid and blood <laughs> leaking all over the fucking place. Uh-huh. Um, then we go through the credits, we come back, and we see Carol sewing a sleeve uh, on what I presume is one of Tobin's very large Carhartt outerwear jackets. Yeah, and she's got, I, I think what we've seen Tobin wearing before. And and she's commandeering this to sew what I think is an Uzi uh, into the sleeve. I don't I don't <laughs> right. know how that actually works. But I don't think it can actually work. It, but. That's what it's that's what's that, that's the gun that's laying out, and that's the type of gun it seems like she's shooting when she reveals her her trick. But 
you know. And then they they conspicuously never actually show it dropping out of her sleeve or anything or her No, she fires like, it from having inside it. the sleeve. Right. Every sleeve gun I have ever seen is like this tiny little one-shot thing. Well, it has to be. Right, by necessity because big guns don't fit in sleeves. Like if you had an Uzi or a you know, a Tech 9 or something and the you clip, cut the, the That's magic, what I'm saying. If if if, uh, if if you cut the the uh if you cut the grip and didn't have a clip in it, that might work. Maybe. Yeah. But she shoots like 30 rounds. I mean, I don't know. Unless it's one of those automatic handguns, but then the clip for that is That's what I'm saying. extremely There's, long, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, but I don't know. Whatever. We're not there yet, but... Whatever. Uh, yeah. She's also packing with a, a go bag. You always hear those doomsday preppers talking about. It's got uh, beet cookies... Yep. And some Protein rations and, and, and stuff like that. Some I don't know. She's it looks like maybe some fire starting crap. Mm-hmm. Uh when Tobin comes in, starts talking a mess about Denise and Carol does what the rest of the audience does and completely tunes him out. She just yeah. goes into her happy place and um apparently she makes love to him because she wakes up in the middle of the night, um, and gets out of bed and sneaks out. Is there an implication of lovemaking? Well, I mean, I guess waking up in the middle of the night with someone. When, when the characters go to embrace, and then the camera just pans down and to the right onto the bed, and the next uh-huh. scene you see her waking up at night, and there's a blank spot by Tobin. She's either just been standing in the corner, low these many hours, or she slept with the man. Okay. And I, look, I, I threw Ugh. up in my mouth. Ugh. I threw up in my mouth when the realization hit me, but I don't think there's any way to escape the realization. Yeah, I was looking for a way out. <laughs> uh, but she sneaks out to the tune of Johnny Cash's It's All Over, which essentially is him just singing It's All Over, yeah. which I'm fine with, you know? Yeah, uh, good song. Uh, we see that that uh, the politics of the town are such that they've decided that Sasha and Rosita should do guard duty together. That seems yeah, like it, a bad it, idea. Well, it makes me wonder how much these people are talking about the interpersonal relationships. But I'm not sure that anybody other than those three know about it. They don't know that in that community this small, they don't know that Abraham has moved out. I don't know. And that he's staying now in Sasha's house. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, well, I, I don't know. Well, here's my how much time here's my point. You know like who does know? You know who does know? Mm. Sasha. Sure. And you know who rearranged her guard shift because she didn't want to fuck around with Abraham while he's still with Rosita? Sasha. You know who doesn't fuck around with her guard duty to get away from, you know, offending the woman who she uh, screwed over? Sasha. It makes me not like Sasha. Especially when her and Abraham are being cute right in front of uh, Rosita while she's, like, shooting eye daggers at both of them. Yeah, I I guess I didn't really read too much into what's happening in this scene, but I... They're just switching up. It's not like Sasha said, "Hey Abraham, I can't deal with this Rosita stare. Come help me out." Uh, no, no, I I'm not like saying it was that. Just I'm saying of the guard. I know, but what okay. I'm saying is Sasha has switched her guard duty around out of her own sensitivity before, uh-huh. so she could do it again. She chooses not to. Okay, that's like I just feel like that's a dick move. Like if I stole your girlfriend. Right, but it's I would kinda... try to like just out of just out of deference. Deference, I'd try to rearrange our podcasting schedules so you don't have to see me in the studio. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I right, but at some point, I, I don't know. I don't know. At some I mean, point, w- you're when... right. They all have to get along, but this is like literally days afterwards. And Rosita, you can tell she's like like Superman style laser beams out of her eyes. 
how much I just question how much she knows about Rosita's schedule. Like, does she know this is going to be a problem until it is? Like, she's an idiot if she doesn't. Why? Because she knows they were lovers in their increment. What? Yeah, but no, 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 no. It's not you're you're arguing points I'm not making. Okay, what is the uh, point that you are making? The point I'm making is, does she know that Sasha that that Rosita is actually going to be there on guard at the same time she is? Do they not know? Do I mean, they? I don't know how much they know of other people's schedules. Like, that's the thing. It's a community of fifty people. Right. And there's not that many standing guard. I find it hard to believe that they don't know each other's schedules. They have to have it posted somewhere. But she just changed her schedule. Like, I don't... I don't know. I don't know is the question. You're, like, wanting to get all up in arms about this, and I'm saying we just don't know I, the situation. I know yet. enough to know that this is bullshit. <laughs> if you don't, then that's fine, but... I don't think you do either, but you'll call bullshit on it anyway, which I, I, whatever. I'm already fine. done. Moving on. Um, Where was I? Uh... Uh, what's, we skipped what over the. Uh, no, I haven't didn't we skip the anything. Carl thing? Nope, I haven't skipped over anything. Okay. Uh, Carl inspects a pistol. Yeah. That has a very crudely drawn turkey leg with a Spider-Man web going down that's, its side. That's what it is. Yeah. Or maybe it's a <laughs> fish with like fishing line wrapped around it. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe a upside down bottle with, with, a... with some kind of wire in it. I, I really, it's it's hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Could be a dick pick. I mean, you get the impression that this is a gun they got from yes from the saviors though. Yes, indeed. Yes, okay. indeed. Glenn and Maggie are getting all washed up. In our ooing and last night of uh, Maggie's uh, ass crack being spackled because it's like mm-hmm. they just kept on panning down and panning down, and her lower back just wouldn't end. Uh, and we we made the joke if you weren't on the live show that that Greg Nicotero whipped up a crack prosthetic so uh-huh. we didn't have to see her ass crack. Her body is like covered in bruises. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't pick that up last night. I I don't know why. It's a harsh world out there. Yeah. Uh, do you think that that has something to do with her uh, neonatal, prenatal difficulties later in the episode? It can't help. Can't help. That's for sure. And she sustained all that stuff in the adventure she had with the uh, Alicia Witt, Paula, I guess. I guess. The two episodes ago. We never really saw much damage occurring to her, but yeah, I mean, her. Uh, yeah, somewhere. Along Carol the line. said that they didn't like they didn't do anything to him, but that's a lot of bruising and, and whatnot. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see what else. Daryl is deciding to swing a leg over his newly liberated bike. Uh, Abraham relieves Rosita, and they play around with cigar. And again, Rosita's throwing up at her hat in a corner, but that's not a problem because you know guard schedules and whatnot. Rick and Michonne sleep in. Uh, Michonne wakes up, immediately tucks into an apple she keeps by the bedside. Yeah. Really keeping this apple a day keeps the doctor away business serious now that uh, Denise is dead. Like, maybe they're out of toothpaste. They're trying to get rid of morning breath. (laughs) I I don't know, man, but... Uh, Maybe that's, that's, uh, you know, instead of smashing a Red Bull, you just, as soon as you open your eyes, you start eating an apple. Because it's it's a little known fact. It's impossible to fall asleep while you're eating an apple. (laughs) Is that true? As long as you keep eating, you won't oversleep. Uh, I I don't know. It's a it's a bizarre scene. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's only bizarre if you really want to go after it, right? Like, what? Why not eat an apple when you wake up? <laughs> but but it is weird. What is like, with you saying it's only bizarre if you want to get into it? The, who have you ever known anyone to keep food by the bedside to immediately consume when they wake up? No, but I have a glass of water by the bedside. That is not freaky behavior. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, having an possible. alarm clock is not weird. Having a stuffed armadillo would be weird. Like, there's lots of things that are normal and things that are weird. What the hell is going on in this podcast? It's it's strange, but, I like, I don't I don't understand the significance of it. 
Oh, I don't either. There's, I, there's something. We have well, an email about so it. So there but. is storytelling significance in that it gave them an excuse to talk about how this is evidence that the Hilltop is maintaining their agreement to keep him fed. Right, right. So it's conveniently shoved in there so they can have a conversation. But Very there, conveniently. there might also be some symbolism here that we have uh, an emailer who wrote in. Oh, okay. Later some, on. Some symbolic shoving in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In in lieu of the real shoving in that Rick wants to do, but uh, I mean the conversation is about you know how they're determined to keep what they have, and it, it seems like both of them are are on board with this, which you know makes the makes the issues bigger when sure. Rick decides I'm going to abandon this community that we have. I know Michonne decides I'm going to abandon this community that we have. When when they uh, up front talk about <laughs> we're all fearing about an imminent attack, yeah, it it it's weird, but at least they're eating apples. Uh, Maggie's explaining, this is something I like. They're spread out in hide armory strategy. She's got the guns, and they're, they're distributing to all the guard posts instead of keeping them in the central armory, which they niftily exploited with the saviors. Uh, they're also talking yeah, about hiding smart. guns, so that, like, even if uh, they're overwhelmed, that the, our people know where to get them, and the other people won't. That's all smart stuff. Mm-hmm. Um... Daryl comes and charges the gate and lets himself out, uh, and everyone decides they need to stop him. Uh, Who is it? Is it Glenn and Michonne get up in a van and try to go after him, and Abraham wants to make room for his freckled ass, but Rosita says, fuck that. Hopefully I can go out there and die. Uh, And also, I know where Daryl is. I'm the only one uh, that that would. Yeah. Um, And I like that Glenn at least says, hey, man, we need to keep numbers here. But whatever, he still takes off of three people, three of their their best fighters. Yep. Uh, Rick then gets hit with the bad news that Carol's gone. She apparently snuck outside the wall under cover of darkness and then stole a car from the outer defense cars that they have all set up porcupine style. Uh, yeah, Daryl's timing on this is real bad because they haven't quite found the note from Carol yet. Or, yes. Well, Tobin has, but he hasn't quite brought it to the community yet. So going out to find Daryl is kind of excusable right you take a couple people you go find daryl that's all well and good then you take a few more people to go find carol that's where you start to run into problems for me yeah i just don't know that you take a few people to find daryl because number one if daryl doesn't want to be found he won't be found like we were talking about rosita after the futility of trying to find daryl dixon in the woods when he's got a motorcycle that's got off-road tires and you've got a fucking a-team van I think like, what should have happened here is Michonne should have noped out when Rosita said, I know where he is. She mm. should have been like, okay, you two go find him. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. Or, like, I mean, in times of war, I just feel like, okay, this guy went AWOL. We can't afford anybody else going after him. Right. Like, that would have been a valid decision to make. And, yeah, and maybe if somebody puts up a little bit more of a fight. but And, and I get it. I get it that everybody wants to go get Daryl, but you got to do the adult thing every once in a while. Yeah. Uh. So... Rick gets it with the bad news. Rick and Morgan decide to go out and look for her, even though she says not to. Mm-hmm. And at this point, do they know that, yeah, Rick knows that Daryl's already gone off. So he makes this decision with the full knowledge yes. that now six of the town's best fighters are going to be leaving. Yeah. I mean... It's a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, send Morgan. If, Judith if Morgan's here. unwilling to kill, let Morgan go, but... Yes, I would accept Morgan taking a one-man mission to go get Carol because he's going to be useless in an all-out war fight anyway. Yeah, and what are you really going to do to stop him, right? If he gets a wild hair and just says, I'm going, are, are you going to put him in his own cell? Yeah, well, that'd you be could. ironic. <laughs> but ultimately, yeah, he's not going to be that much help. 
So. Uh, do you want to talk about the Fear of the Flight mini-movie and the Asian woman's obsession with slamming the window shut on this poor teenage boy? Sure, sure. It's something we complained about from the jump, right? Like, I think it was first or second sure. little episode. Yeah. Like, what is her deal? And 15 <sighs> episodes later, she, after she sympathizes with the kid and say, you know, it's my fault that your, I guess, mom wasn't on the plane... She immediately slams his window shut again. Slaps his in-flight drink out of his hand, <laughs> closes his tray. Don't take advantage of any of the perks of being on an airplane. You keep that seat in an upright lock position, young man. <laughs> yeah, I, what the fuck? I, it's such a weird quirk. It feels like they're going for something thematic, like don't don't think about the outside world here. But why? Yeah, don't look at the clouds. That's, you know, yeah. she's going to shoot him in the head. That's uh, like you want him to look at the clouds then. You want him to be distracted. We got a, an email from Matt questioning a couple of things. At what point does the plane from The Walking Dead Flight 462A crash into the ship in Fear the Walking Dead? <laughs> Pilot episode, or premiere episode. Yep. They're on, so, a, they're on a collision to push course. Push them off the boat. Or B, show up as wreckage in a Virginia forest in Walking Dead despite the obvious continuity problems. Hmm. Eh, I I wouldn't have a huge problem with that. If they don't tie in at all, yeah, ever. If it's just a... This is not compelling enough to... I mean, I honestly don't... The Walking Dead does not lead, need to lead on from Fear the Walking Dead. Maybe they're going to spin off another series in the nine days that they Fly skipped. Fly the Walking Dead? In the nine days they <laughs> skipped in Fear of the Walking Dead? Uh-huh. Where they actually know. show us the stuff we wanted to see in Fear the Walking Dead. Maybe, maybe. Uh, maybe that's why I we didn't know. see that stuff. This plane that there's a whole... Uh, division of marines about to liberate the city and this plane just lands right on top of them taking them all out uh anyway carol is driving her mad max porcupine car she gets waylaid by some savior goons uh the way they filmed the lead up to this was a bit monty python you know where sir lancelot is it sir lancelot that's storming the wedding and you see these guards with like dumb looks on their face and it keeps on like, getting closer and closer and then you see him charging far away uh-huh. and then they're, they're, yeah yeah i mean it, it felt fun, like unintentionally funny to me and especially the way they filmed okay. her carol's carol's head looks like one of those thumb things that they do with like thumb wars where they put the 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 eyes and nose and mouth on a thumb like she's got the, it looks like she's got this enormous head with these itty bitty facial features in the middle of it i don't know whether it's a walleye lens they huh. shot it with but I was about to laugh out loud when I was watching it. Yeah, I I have not liked some of the editing choices over the last couple episodes. Like, there's another we'll, one. That's there's about another to get one weird. I really hate uh, mm-hmm. that we'll get to, but it, uh, it has to do with this Carol thing. Yeah, so they drive by and disable her car with a rifle. They take out a tire. Looks like they did some pretty good damage to the coolant system or the engine. Yep. Uh, they order her out very creepily. Uh, they sound like they know exactly where Alexandria is, and they know about its defenses, and they know how you know how far up the road it is. They know a lot more about Alexandria than we were led to believe. Right, which I think is smart on the part of the writers to to let us know that they have people watching. Right, yes. not and and maybe not just now that the attack has happened, but maybe potentially before the attack happened. Like who knows how long they've known and what they've known, and they're just biding their time. That's scary. Right. Uh, so they said they're on their way to Alexandria. What the fuck do you think they're going to do? Uh, knock on the door? five of them. Knock on the door. I mean, that's yeah. all they can do, really. Like, hey, assholes, we know you're killing our guys. Stop it. <laughs> maybe it's a threat. Yeah, because maybe they got it's... one or two guys with guns. The rest of them have spears, which yeah. kind of gives you a hint about maybe Rick's raid, if it didn't annihilate their threat, it at least took out the majority of their armory. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
And we do know that they have at least some ammunition now. They have a yes. handgun's worth of bullets, yes. at the very least. And whatever the guy shot from his rifle. Which, uh, I'm not... Did he even get a shot off? Or not was it all Carol, Carol? But he did spray down oh, her oh, car right, pretty right. good. Yeah. Yes. So, so at least a couple So clips. Carol tries her hyperventilating trick, but I'm wondering, is it actually uh, a trick, or is she having a stress response that she's fighting through to kill these guys? Right. It, it, that's a fair question. Uh... I don't know that I like this version of Carol because I I don't know why she would pretend here. I, I guess it worked for her last time. Yeah, I mean it, the pretend, it worked for her. The, the I think the I don't mind the pretend thing because it's you know you right. got a bunch of asshole dudes. You want them to underestimate you so you can get in close and get the kill shot. If she's not pretending, I have a big problem with Carol as a character. Because I, but it, it it's weird the way she's playing it. I'm not quite sure if she is pretending or if this is act, or maybe she's using her stress reaction to sell the the ruse. I I, I don't know. There's something going just, on here. It, it, I don't know. It's something about like I've talked about in previous episodes where Carol's gone too far in the other direction. Yeah. If she literally can't handle the stress of being in a dangerous situation now, mm-hmm. that's not Carol. Yeah. Like, regardless of her position, her stance on killing, that doesn't feel like Carol. They've gone too far in the other direction. So I have to hope that this is a, a ruse, she needs, like it was last time. She needs Morgan to teach her the Sakito stuff so she can get her shit together. I guess, yeah. Get all her shit together and put it in a box. Yeah. Uh, so she completely ventilates them, except for, I think there's five guys. She kills three. There's one that's left alive, but she's out of bullets. Mm-hmm. And he's going to creep up to her car. He's still, after he watched her deftly take down these guys, approaches far too cockily. And she is able to stand up and take one of these sharpened broomsticks and just skewer him like a wild boar through the car. <laughs> yeah. Which was pretty badass. Uh, and then like it leaves it. just a loudmouth asshole left as she goes and just kills with a pistol. Uh, Maggie, back at Alexandria, is telling... That guy's going to come back as a walker. He is. Yeah, it's he a real is. shame for him. Uh, Maggie's <laughs> going to tell Enid that things just got better. Um, why, why, why did I put this on my notes? I don't understand my own notes. What do you mean? I don't know. Mag- I just wrote that Maggie's telling Enid that things just got better, and I, I don't know what that means because... They have this pickle conversation. Is this... This is the pickle yeah. conversation. Oh, uh, no. Things just got busy. I, this okay. is a typo because there's there are now five badasses down, and she's going to have to take a guard shift. And Enid says, you know what? Take this jar of pickles. Prop up your feet, stepmom, which yeah. I think is their relationship now. I'm going to go take your guard shift. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Enid seems like she could take care of herself. She can at least provide eyes sure. and tell people when things are coming. Uh, and, and she, you know, comments on what we've been commenting about Maggie for the last few episodes. She looks tired as fuck. Yeah. She's looking ragged. Yeah. So give her a couple a couple hours off. Yeah, no kidding. She's, she's eating, sleeping, and zombie fighting for two now. Yep. Uh, Morgan uses the advantage of Rick being trapped in the car with him to all-out morgalize. Uh, I, they have this West versus East conversation that felt like Morgan was picking a fight with him for nothing. I, th- I think it's supposed to tell us that these might not be the same people from the compound, right? Like he, Morgan specifically points out, look, you guys went East. Is West. that right? West is where the, compound you guys went was. West to kill the saviors. These guys came from the East or, or that's at least well, but where they haven't even got to this point yet. This is this them going after they both. Rick says the tracks went East right. and Morgan says, so he's like saying, we I think should he's go. talking about the Daryl thing, right? Like Daryl stuff 
Oh. The, the Denise stuff happened to the east. Hmm. Because I, I think they've had a conversation about that. But they're going after Carol. I thought it was, they right. said the tracks. I thought those Car- Carol's tracks went east. Oh, but they haven't found him yet. Right. So. And then so Morgan says, plus the other guys are west, which I thought he's trying to say, Rick, he's, she's running from trying to kill people. She's going in the opposite direction to Savior. Okay. But he could also be saying that, yeah. But I don't I didn't get it because Rick is not saying like we should go west and uh-huh. you know, there there's there again, it just seemed like Morgan's picking a fight where there is none to pick. Uh and he asserts that what I believe isn't right, because there is no right. There's just the wrong that doesn't pull you down. Which I guess he's, that's fine. he's building that's up to point. the circular conversation here. Yeah, yeah, but at least he's not quite as self righteous as he was a few episodes ago. Because this yeah. all life is precious seemed like a a doctrine of primacy to him, and now he's like, yeah, it's just you know, it's just another way you can live. Right. Uh, back at the failed ambush point uh, with Carol, some jackass clutches his chest and tells the guy dying outside uh, to let it go, and then he goes and limps off into the bushes. I. I don't know why we even had to see the scene, honestly. I don't know. This guy came out of the bushes clutching his bloody chest after the Rick and uh, Morgan scene. I would have ex- known that, okay, this is what's happening. There's no chance that he found some body armor along the way and is actually the guy at the barn. I don't think so, because the other thing okay. is this guy just disappears. Yeah. Which so maybe they're setting something up for next episode where he goes back and tells them something. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I don't know either. But um, yeah, it was a little strange. Yeah, uh, but he goes and limps off in the bushes, as I mentioned. And Rick and Morgan arrive shortly after. And Rick attempts the briefest interrogation and show history on the guy dying on the ground. He's like, "Where did she go?" And the guy's like, "It's kind of like sputters blood." And Rick just like, "Gurk, dink right in the head." Um, yep. Throughout this episode, Morgan's killing zombies with simple br- blunt force trauma to the head. Yeah, I don't know that I buy it. I don't either, because I've, I've remarked in this particular season that that doesn't seem to work as well anymore. The zombies are surprisingly resilient with the whole just beating them in the head with stuff. I've... Molten lead won't kill them. Yeah, like, I wonder... I don't know. I mean, a staff to the head's probably pretty effective in killing a human being right i think no i, mean, I think you can kill on, a person yeah but the zombies it seems like that they've decided you know what is the fucking brainstem you you got to get some kind of penetration into any part as of the long head as you can sever the spinal cord it oh you think that's like, what he's doing he's like snapping their neck but that it? shouldn't kill him i mean it could certainly disable them completely which i think morgan i don't think morgan's one the type that has to kill every walker he just wants it right. to be not a threat anymore yeah i, I don't know it's a little bit of a stretch but whatever, whatever. Uh, Morgan finds a blood trail and goes off into the field and Rick observes that perhaps they didn't end anything with the saviors and Morgan says, nah, you started something, which are both um, right mm. on observations. Yeah. Chest clutching man comes out of the bushes, grabs Carol's rosary and then goes after Rick and Morgan. If this leads to a plot where Morgan and Carol team up to morgalize this guy and convert him to the way of the light, I'm going to die. I'm yeah, going to jam a, sh- a sharpened <laughs> rosary through my eye. I don't know how that would happen. <laughs> well, uh, again, he... I, yeah, it's weird to have him just wander off. Uh, and clearly tracking Rick and Mort. I'm, I'm, I just... I, I want desperately to know what's going on here, but we don't, unless, you, you, as you say, the guy 
rustling horses and full body armor is the same guy, which I don't buy. It didn't really seem he like seems him. seems younger, yet. thinner, uh-huh. and not as shot in the chest as this guy. Yeah, a little more spry than an old man shot in his shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's 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 weird. Um, so where am I at here? Uh, oh, yes. We've, we are now at the train tracks where Denise died last episode, and Glenn, Rosita, and Michonne arrive. They find Dara's left his bike and kind of, you know, cloaked it with some branches and shit. I mean, do we, before we go too far from this, did we talk about the spear that he finds and, like, some of the hypothesizing you can do about I was gonna, that? Like, I, I was going to save that to the end because it kind of, you know, it's, it's the reason that he justified himself shooting the dude that had the spear in the end. But yeah, Rick observes in the scene that uh, they're using a spear that he can tell is crafted by the blacksmith at the hilltop. Right, but we've also got the indicator Rick Grimes, that these expert may... in metallurgy. <laughs> <laughs> we've also got the indicator that these may not be the people from the hilltop or the saviors because they're like based in an o- opposite direction, I guess. Like that. That's, okay, that's what Morgan's talking I about. I think that since we know the hilltop has a deal with the saviors that the hilltop was supplying the saviors with these spears. Right. But when you combine that with the idea that they're West and they went East. Okay. So you I, think, I think they're, they're trying to, to put say, some confusion into the, uh, uh, of the, the viewer to see that there might be more factions besides the hilltop and the saviors. It seems like it to me. I definitely think they are suggesting that as well, but I don't okay. really want to say much until we get to the spoilers because oh, I know right. a little bit too much. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're at the we're at the train track junction where Denise died, and Glenn argues that this is insane what they're doing, uh, and he's absolutely right. Uh, uh, and he says, you know, because Rosita says maybe we shouldn't stop him. He's like, well, maybe. Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing, and maybe it does. And maybe we don't either. Maybe they keep learning more about us, and we keep getting jacked up. And maybe he ends up getting himself killed. And I thought that was actually great, but he doesn't follow through the logical course, which is, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go back. Right. And, and maybe you couldn't stop him even if you wanted to. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Butt him in the head with your gun? And now, now, after I've clearly laid out the case of this being stupid, Rosita, where do you think you went? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I, I do like how, how stubborn Daryl is here, because it shows a lot about his character that we already know, but it's sure. just, it it stays faithful to that. Like, he is a stubborn person, right? He gets something in his head. Yeah. You're not going to say anything to change his mind. And no. he feels super guilty about putting getting Denise in this scenario in the first place. He feels like he got her killed. And then I feel like he wants, like I said at the beginning, to have something to tell Tara when she gets back. Yes. And that's why he's on this this mission. Yes. Yes, he does. Um, so I, the next shot where, where Daryl shoots a warning shot at the group and Rosita's like, watch where you're shooting asshole. He's like, I did. I'd killed you if I meant to shoot, you know, the words of that effect. Yeah. And they try to talk him back and he says, you guys shouldn't have come. Glenn says you shouldn't have left. And Glenn says, you think it's your fault. And he goes, I know it is, which are fair points. If he had killed, uh, Dwight, we wouldn't be in this situation or at least this exact situation. Sure. Or um, if he hadn't let Denise go on the fucking raid with him, like there's a lot right. of reasons why this might be Daryl's fault. Well, you know, this like that's that one spaghetti scene with Aaron and his boyfriend turned him into a believer of finding people and helping them, and not just you know my group and nobody. And now sure. I feel like he's really, really wishing that he didn't do all that because he feels like an asshole. He stuck his neck out, and look what happened. Yep. So again. I completely buy Daryl's motivations. It's everybody else that I have a bit of a problem with. Yeah. Um, so Daryl won't come home. So Glenn's like, I think Glenn's about to pack it in. 
And in fact, he does. And Rosita says, you know what? I'm going with him. Why do you think Rosita goes after? I think she feels guilty, too. Does she feel guilty or is she just having... Is she just having a problem dealing with being abandoned by Abraham? Because there's a little bit of fatalism eh, to her, yeah, I think. Yeah, there might be a fair bit of that as well. Okay. All right. Because um, I was like, man, am I crazy? I don't know. Uh, Glenn and Michonne start to walk back, and they are having a very loud conversation about how they kind of just luckily fell together into a group of like-minded people. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little bit of a rose-tinted glasses approach because they did have to kill a fair amount of people in their group. Like mm-hmm. Shane... All the prisoners they threw fell in with. Like, a lot of people have died to get to this purity of vision, you know? Sure. Uh, and he says that the world's not what we thought with the hilltop saviors. It's bigger. There's, like, at this point, it's interesting to note that, like, groups like the saviors, which I guess in Walking Dead up until now, we'd think that a group like Woodbury or a group like Terminus... Eventually, those groups would just fall apart. Like, you cannot sustain a group based on selfishness and survivalism only. You have to have a balance. Whereas the saviors maybe be a a, a case where you can weld together a group based on those principles. Yeah, I mean, they don't seem like really good people, honestly. Seems like they're... I I don't know. But the Paul group didn't seem like they were terrible people either. Right. Like, I'm... How did the first encounter with the Saviors was pretty shitty. Yep. It was on the road with Daryl and Abraham. And they're threatening to kill him the whole uh, fucking time. Rosita was out there. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, Sasha. They, Sasha was out there. Uh, and they they RPG'd him. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't view these people as good people. But, you know, you turn it around, what would a, an encounter from the other side look like? If, sure. If they were just rolling down the road on their motorcycles and Daryl and Abraham pulled up with an RPG mm-hmm. and said, drop your weapons yeah. to neutralize a threat. Or we're going to take all your weapons. Yeah. Like, you can kind of see it both ways, right? Yeah. It's, it's not necessarily black and white. And I think they've done a pretty good job at showing that this season. I agree. I mean, for all the morgalizing that's happened, sure, there is a point in there. And it's a fairly interesting, nuanced one. Yep. Uh, suddenly they get flanked by like five dudes and then equally suddenly Dwight shows up, uh, shows up holding his gun tree frog style. <laughs> I mean, it's like he's trying to mind meld with the gun Horda and Spock style. Now I actually looked up and there is a thing called, uh, point style point style where you, and, and I, I, you, you lay your finger along the barrel of the gun and you, you work to trigger through middle finger because it's a natural form. Like, you know, you, everyone's good at pointing at stuff. Like if you point at something with your finger, usually you're aiming right at it. And I guess this is a style. It's kind of an archaic style, but this is a style that that's, but the thing is, is his grip's still all wrong because his his finger's not going along the barrel. It's the axis. It's actually pointed at like a forty five degree. It's just, I don't know, man. Like maybe there is a finger pointing gun style, or maybe this guy is just holding the gun like a complete jackass. <laughs> you know, but... the world's been turned upside down. You experiment. You find out like maybe the old world didn't have the grips right. Sure, maybe there's a better way. You know, somebody at one point decided, you know what? I'm gonna start holding my gun, turn ninety degrees, gangster style. Exactly. Boom. Boom. Maybe go all the way upside down. Rick's, I don't know. Rick's got the famous hand up, point down <laughs> style. Shoot from the head. Yeah. yeah like, uh, you know, shoot from the- 
So, the, so maybe the zombie apocalypse is shoot a, from the crown. It's just a chance to freestyle with your firearms. Right. I don't know. Right. But I thought it was the most fucking ridiculous thing I've seen. And a hero shot the boot. Like, there's no right way to hold a gun, just the wrong way that doesn't pull you down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anyway, uh, next scene, Rick and Morgan are keeping on, keeping on tracking Carol. Uh, they talk about Rick's new thinking about the prison. So this was actually somewhat shocking. Rick, at this point in his development, would have thanked Carol for doing the de- necessary thing and killing these people. Yeah, he's really come around. That's Captain Hindsight, 100%. That's, yeah, ex-gun farmer. Rick, yes. Like, left that in his past. Now that I know the entire prison essentially died because of the whatever shitstorm flu they got, but yep. still, I thought it was kind of interesting that he's completely come around and he would have not only not banished her, but given her a promotion. Right. Or an attaboy, an attagirl. Uh, they wander to a farm and they find what appears to be a man in a full bi- body riot gear, similar to what they had at the prison, uh, wielding a spear. Rick tries to shoot the guy when he won't put his spear down, and Morgan knocks his aim off uh, as the man takes advantage of a sudden zombie group to flee. Uh, Rick asserts that this guy has yet another spear from Hilltop, just like the Saviors, and therefore it's good enough for being a savior to him. Anything you want to add to this scene? Uh, I mean, this is where a lot of of Morgan's explaining of himself comes in, yeah? Or is it later on? Um, I think it's, it's, no, no, it's, yeah, it's actually this scene. They're There's about some to, of it here and some I actually later broke on. that into a separate part of my notes that, um, okay. so he, at this point, Morgan reveals all the bullshit that went on with the captive wolf. And I love how Rick plays this, how, uh, uh, Andy Lincoln plays this, like this kind of like disbelief. Yeah. Like slack jawed amazement. He's uh, like trying to make up his mind on this. I man, Maybe. I don't think he was given his point of view much thought at all. Really? I took it as this like, man, you're my friend, and that's the only reason I'm that's not pistol whipping every tooth out of your mouth right now. Yeah, it sucks because Carol is, you know, even when she tries to leave the group and go out on her own, she's still yeah. a liability to the sure. group, right? Like they also talk they also talk about how she might be near death because she's if you know she's still alive. Rick actually points out that she might have died and not stuck around, implying that she's zombified and, and, and hauled out. But there's like as much blood as she's lost and as big as this trail is that, you know, you're you're looking to find a very weakened Carol, perhaps. Yeah, but it's uh, it's also good that she is still willing to kill, right? She hasn't come around completely to Morgan's side. Because imagine Morgan in that situation where he gets costed sure. by five guys on the road. Yeah. They're headed back to Alexandria and want to use him as a bargaining chip to get in the door. I don't know what he does. He, well, he doesn't kill. So he, he gets taken hostage. I mean, <laughs> that's the only outcome of that, unless he staffs all these people to death Maybe or, or to, to unconsciousness, you know? Like I say, because, like, that's the that's the problem with his, his theory, is if he is then used as a bargaining chip to let them in the walls and then they kill everyone in Alexandria, then how much precious life did you save, asshole? Right, right. Anyway. So it's a good thing that Carol is still willing to kill. Otherwise, she would have put everybody at risk. Uh, what do you think Morgan, because the other thing I didn't agree with is he's like, you know, I saved the wolf, Denise tried to save the wolf, the wolf saved Denise, and then Denise saved Carl, and if I hadn't done all that, Carl would have died. I'm like, whoa, 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 your, ch- your chain of logic is faulty, because it could be that Denise would have been safe and sound cowering in her house during this whole assault. Yep, he's got a very, uh... I mean, if fucking Patricia, the pantry counter, survived... 
I believe that Denise could have survived. The only reason she is out running around the muck in the middle of the walkers needing to be saved by the wolf is the fact that you brought her there in the first place, asshole. So you right. can't take credit for that. Sure. No, that's that's absolutely valid. And I mean, at this point, they just need to start. Look, you can license a Johnny Cash song. I know you can license an Elton John song. Uh-huh. Just do it. Lion King it up. It's the circle, <laughs> circle of, life. of life. I mean, that's what he's talking about here. It's it's weird because like I, I take his point though right you don't really know what effect your actions will have no and until they have those consequences until they're realized how do you judge whether it was a good thing or a bad thing i just didn't like how he laid out the sequence of events as if it was an equation and is like qed rick I when know. i'm like yeah. uh yeah he's giving he's giving one example of how something he did couldn't have been predicted yeah that that's his bigger point is not that like this chain led exactly to where i thought it would right but more like i had no idea where this was going to go and it worked out yeah but but it seems like that's an argument to never take action ever right because then you might be responsible for something bad happening to do whatever the fuck you want sure right because anything is justifiable if you just throw your hands up and say well you don't know what's going to happen. Which is almost a wolfish philosophy, and I right. don't understand why he can't see that. He's just right. on the different, a different side of the coin from the wolves. Yeah, he's just made a different judgment about it. Uh, we find we I don't this protein bar. Uh, it's just a gag at this point, right? Oh yeah, I guess mean, it's a reference for the to audience to like back. you know point and mug about. Um, yeah. So he volunteers to go off after Carol and says, and, and Rick asks with some concern, are you coming back? Because I thought, like, okay, well, maybe he finds Carol and they just fuck off together. He says, yeah, I'm going to come back, but if I don't come back, don't come looking for me. Which is exactly what Carol said. Yes. Don't come looking for Which me. Which means I think the rest, I think Abraham and Sasha and Maggie come looking for him next episode. Right. Because the rest of the town has to leave. That would only be logical. Carl and Judith can protect the town. Sure. <laughs> Gabriel? Gabriel, is he going to protect the town? Well, he he shoulders a rifle well. Yeah. We'll see what he can do. Sure. I wouldn't call him one of their best fighters, though. (laughs) No, God, no. Uh, Rick arrives back and finds that everybody's still gone, including Michonne, which has him really, really, uh, you know, trying to swallow his Adam's apple there. Uh, Abraham talks about, you know, the fear of letting someone close and losing someone and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but then he asserts that, allowing his heart to love again has enabled him to has rekindled his desire to tear the world a new asshole which Mm -hmm. that's kind of carol's point you know you're you're afraid to lose and i think that's also what rosita rosita said you find someone that's important to you or some reason to die for and then it makes you want to live that much more like that's right the same damn point that they've made a couple times a season already sure so uh maggie calls in enid for one more favor uh, I need you to take my shift. I need you to cut my hair. And she explains it because she has to keep going, and I don't want anything getting in my way. What do you think of Maggie's haircut? I think, I mean, she's, it's, I can't imagine, like, you could shave her head and she'd still look right. attractive. Yeah. It's like, tough, tough to make Newsflash, her. attractive people are attractive. <laughs> and, you know, she could, I can't imagine what she could do and not look attractive. Yeah. So... That doesn't, I mean... Carve a big W in her forehead, maybe? I don't know. I, you, she might start a trend in Alex. It was like, look, look, look at Maggie rocking that W. I'm going to carve one in my head. <laughs> so first Eugene, now Maggie. Yeah. We've got the makeover police in town. Who gets it next, and what do they look like? Well, Is Eugene's like... a faux makeover. He just tied his his bone right. to a ponytail. He's in the process... The, the pro- 
Fuck, I've lost all ability to speak. He's in the process of a <laughs> Maybe makeover. I've gained it. Maybe we've had a transition of power here. Uh, He's in the process of a makeover. His is just uh, less immediate. Okay. Uh, but so- someone else has got to get it, the makeover. I think Daryl's in desperate need of a makeover. Well, my take is the haircut is so god awful that Enid gave her that it it it, it triggers a miscarriage, and uh, right. you know her baby doesn't want to live in her body with this crappy of a haircut, <laughs> and it wants out. You're all on the zombie baby. Oh yeah, which chew your way out, baby. Chew chew and claw your way out. I mean, what is this baby like the size I of know. a thumb? I know. With what teeth? With it what fingernails? Ha- with what? I might not even have limbs at this point. I, I it's still probably got a tail. I, I know it's impossible, but I'm still my fingers crossed for a zombie baby. I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't. It, it probably would be a different medical complication to have some dead thing inside you, uh-huh. uh, squirming around. But it's not going to like chest burst her out. It's no. just not. Of course not. But I although want it to. fuck this show might do it. Who knows. Yeah, uh, but that's a crisis. That is that is a definite crisis. If you if you want to keep a baby and yeah. you've got no doctor at all, quick get her an apple. Maybe that'll <laughs> cure what ills her. Yep. Uh, Daryl sneaks up on Dwight's camp, but somehow Daryl, the master tracker in full backwoods ninja mode, is fucking ambushed by goddamn froggy style gun holding Dwight. Mm-hmm. And then to add insult to injury, Dwight shoots him in presumably the shoulder. Yeah, we don't see his head explode, and it's on screen the entire time, so that's good news. But I'm surprised he definitely gets shot. Alan Seppenwall, did you read his review? He's rage quit the show. He says he's gonna he's going to watch the finale, and then that's the last (laughs) Walking Dead he plans on covering. Nah, nah, he'll be back. I don't know. I feel like he's been looking for an excuse for a while now, and I'm surprised Eh. he's kept going. I don't buy it. He works for Hitfix, and Hitfix is too big of an outlet, and this is too big of a show for him to rage quit. And they're just going to suck him back in with the finale. You know they are. Although, I hear some things that don't give me a lot of confidence, but... Oh, really? That's that's the plan, right? Suck the audience back in with the finale. Yeah. No, I just... And it always happens. Uh, do you think... Because his opinion also I thought was interesting, that with him shooting and the blood splash in the camera, if you didn't hear Dwight say, post-fade to black, you'll be all right, I would assume that Daryl just got shot in the head. And he said that he thinks that they loop that in post to avoid another fucking dumpster fiasco. Could totally be, yeah. Because I would have, if if Daryl wouldn't have been dead, I, you know, I just, I don't know why they do this. I don't know why they do this. Yeah, I mean, you can, I don't know. If you rewind that scene a bunch yeah. and analyze it, you can tell he's not shot in the head. Yeah, sure, no. I, uh, I saw the same gifs on Reddit you did. <laughs> Oh, I didn't look on Reddit. Oh, I just okay. rewound it a bunch. Okay. Did my own analysis. But yeah, it's it's obvious, but you have to like really want to go back and find out. Uh-huh. But otherwise, yeah, I assumed so with the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh, did did Dwight get shot from a different angle? Is like did Abraham follow them after all? Or like what's happening here? But you can see the muzzle flash from Dwight's gun. Yeah. You can see Daryl's head doesn't get shot. Yeah. Splash. So yeah, uh it's it's gonna be interesting. Why did he how shoot him in the shoulder? I don't know. Just, I mean, he obviously doesn't want to kill him. That's the only reason you shoot someone in the shoulder there. But he also respects Daryl's badassery enough to know that he doesn't want a full-capacity Daryl that he's yeah, holding hostage. Probably. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I just feel like it's also interesting that The Walking Dead wants us to believe that a shoulder wound is non-fatal when you're essentially dealing yeah. with, at this point, less-than-Civil War medical knowledge. 
Like, yeah. people used to die all the fucking time of gunshot wounds. Mm-hmm. The only reason they don't now is antibiotics. And at the very least, that shoulder's not going to heal right. I wouldn't think so. I, I can't imagine you can Now, again, this is a work of fiction, your... so maybe, I mean, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if next season, so, assuming he survives, that he's yeah. not at full capacity and never mention this again. Right. But having said that, like the realist in me says this, you know, people are like, oh, well, it's just a shoulder wound. And I'm like, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad in this world. I wouldn't want to get shot in the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's the episode. Literally fade to black in a splash of blood. Yeah. Hey, this is the part of the podcast where we try to sell you on the necessity of the club at uh, the club, uh, club ball move at club that ball move dot com. Uh, it's going to be kind of easy to sell it this week because um, I think one of the coolest things we've done in in, the, in recent memory is the playthrough of uh, the Telltale Walking Dead game, uh, the Michonne episode. We got episode two that's going to be dropping next week. We're going to be playing it. Mm-hmm. The first episode was hilarious. Like we literally cried laughing from playing it. <laughs> that's right. And I got a lot of positive. Storm and Norma. A l- lot of positive. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of positive feedback on it. Um, and the great thing is it's, uh, you know, if you go month to month, it's it's two bucks a month. It's 12 bucks for the year. Uh, you know, if you wanted to be real ninja about it, you could sign up for the month. Two bucks. You get two episodes of Bad Bad Guy Michonne is what we call our play, Walking Dead playthroughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, check that out. We got On the Rocks coming next week, which is kind of like our Lunch with Jim and Aaron, which is where we just hang out with the audience. and let Next them ask- week? I think that's tomorrow, isn't it? Is it tomorrow? Oh, yes, it's, it's tomorrow. tomorrow. I'm yeah. sorry. It's it's actually coming tomorrow, and uh, where it's like 9 p.m. Eastern, we're going to take the mics, we're going to take to the cameras, we're going to answer audience questions and talk mm-hmm. about whatever and get drunk on the air. Um, One of the other favorite things that we do that people, yeah, people tell us is they, they like that. Great. So yeah. if if you want more content, uh, you know you're going to be you're going to be staring down the end of the Walking Dead coverage coming up. If you want to keep the good times rolling. Sign up for the club. You get the the Michonnes. You get the the rocks and the lunches. You ad free feeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our other exclusive club only content, which there's a ton of. I mean, we got uh, over a year of lunches at this point. All that Christmas oh, stuff yeah. we did that was cool. Yeah, uh, and also it helps uh, keep things uh, keep things afloat here at Bald Move. So if you enjoy our coverage and and you want to see us keep doing it and, and keep expanding, really could use your patronage at the club. Club.baldmove.com. Thanks in advance. Are we ready for feedback? We are. If you want to send us feedback, watchingdead at baldmove.com or on forums.baldmove.com. I assume you've got a pile. Yeah, we have a shitload of feedback. So much <laughs> that I, I spent an hour and a half leading up to this podcast thinking, oh, I gave myself a, you know, like 15, 20 more minutes than usual. That should be enough. No, no. I was editing feedback literally until I pressed the record button here. All right. Let's get uh, to it. So Can't wait. We have a shitload. Joaquin, we start off with... Uh, there are a couple of long emails up front, but talking about interesting things. So Joaquin says, as I'm sure both of you did, I quickly began to roll my eyes with the cocktail of incredulity and bored ire as soon as the Morgalizer began to lecture Rick about all life being precious for the nth time. However, by the end of the episode, I began to see some merit in the writers having him deliver the line, it's a circle, after having brought up the I save Wolf, Wolf saves Denise, blah, blah, blah situation. Not because it retrospectively vindicated his decision to spare the wolf, but because the line itself tied in very nicely to the overall theme of the episode, although not without some irony that Morgan failed to see. Firstly, there's the circular nature of Dwight captures Daryl. Daryl wakes up with a gun in his face. Daryl escapes. Daryl, yada, yada, Dwight, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. All this Dwight and Daryl stuff. 
Uh, however, in this instance, the circle that Morgan was supposedly ex- espousing as some type of cosmic karma actually ends up manifesting itself in exactly the opposite way that he described, not as a, not as a positive karmic force rewarding good deeds, but as some perverse parody of karma, where good deeds, in fact, are punished and end up coming back to bite you in the ass. So there is that, right? There's those two opposing arcs of Daryl and Dwight versus Morgan and Carol, right. uh, Morgan and Denise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's an interesting point. To, to bring up because I think that makes his point. Uh, I, I don't think his point is just you do good things, good things happen. Mm-hmm. I think that's less nuanced than the point he's trying to make, which is we really don't know the consequences of our actions. So how can we say that killing is the right thing? Why not just try to do the good thing when you can? Yeah. I mean, the thing uh, that's immediately good, right? Which is to preserve life. And, and I get his point. I, I do. I, I, I feel like, though, it's a it's a short hop from there to why do anything. Right. Or, right. as you said, why not do anything you want to do? And, yeah. and that's what I don't like. Like, it seems like it robs everyone of their own agency. Sure. Except for to my the, the, the simplistic, you just can't kill anybody. Yeah. And Joaquin goes on. Secondly, we have Carol's arc potentially coming full circle with her starting to resemble her frightened season one self more and more as well as effectively exiling herself, though this time being self-imposed as opposed to the first time it happened. The fact that for over half a season, both these character arcs have been steadily taking turns toward the ultimate climax in this last episode means that Morgan's It's a Circle, if not the rest of his pseudo-philosophical bullshit, was well-placed in the overall context of both the season and the episode. Agreed. I, I think, you know, you go back, and they belabor the point quite a bit with Morgan, but I think once you can get to the end of it and you can see you can kind of look back on it and maybe forget how much they harped on it mm-hmm. that the point itself is interesting and valid yeah well i mean but that's i know it's the difference between making a good episode and <laughs> trying to get your point across like sure. uh to, to i don't know just maybe be a little more subtle writers yeah, and trust the you know, trust your audience yeah. because the, the audience that you're trying to beat over the head is just never going to get it, and they're not watching the show for that. And yeah, it's not that they can't get it; it's just they don't care. Yeah, right? like that. So, like the Bill Simmons of the world are not watching The Walking Dead for intricate, you know, and he's not going to be listening for that kind of shit. Whereas the ones that are watching it for nice character moments don't need to be hit over the head a million times. Right, they're primed to read into these things. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, uh, moving on to a couple of emails about Carol. Uh, we talked, we've talked, we talked a lot about her nature and things like that. Rachel writes in, and she argues that Carol's natural response to difficult things is to remove herself from the situation. Um, and so she lays out the case. She says, uh, I know people want to blame Morgan for Carol leaving Alexandria, and while he may have been a catalyst in her decision, her flight is a well-established pattern of behavior. She's going to run down several points. Number one, when Rick banished her from the prison, she agreed with his decision. Two, after killing Lizzie, when I think, uh, which I think broke something in Carol, she confessed to Tyrese about Karen and David, gave him her gun, and told him to do what he had to do. Tyrese forgave her, but Carol was in a place where she would have welcomed death. Number three, after helping our survivors escape Terminus, she again was going to leave until Rick asked her to stay. Four, once they found shelter at Gabriel's church, she tried to leave again, but Daryl stopped her. Five, the entire time they've been in Alexandria, Carol has been breaking down quietly in the background. Disguising herself as a meek woman was viewed as a comedic relief by the fandom, but a large part of it was Carol rejecting the person she had become and retreating to that season one version of Carol that is still very much Carol and no less valuable to the community, as Tobin pointed out. 
Sam tried to connect with her, and she was cruel to him because she did not want another child becoming attached to her after Lizzie and Mika. More importantly, Sam was a child and abuser, so he probably reminded her of Sophia. Uh, Sam's death likely affected Carol's latest decision. Yeah, I think think for sure. Uh, Number six, we saw her break down and cry after the wolves attack. I think so every every time she's had to kill, it gets harder and harder. The incident with Morgan and the wolf who ended up trying to save Denise was a turning point. And finally... Uh, number seven, Tobin talking to her about motherhood compelled her to argue with Maggie, while which distracted them. And Carol probably blamed herself for getting caught and being put in another situation where she had to kill, both in self defense and preemptively, to protect herself from uh, herself and the group. So she says, Carol doesn't want to kill anymore, but unlike Morgan, she cannot be a conscientious objector. As long as she is part of a community, she will feel compelled to rise to the occasion. But it gets more difficult each time to the point where she is endangered. She is endangering the people she loves, in addition to the psychic toll it is taking on her. So she did what she always has done. She removed herself from the situation. I I, I agree with that in broad strokes. I do disagree with some like the point she's making about her desperate housewife routine. I didn't find that as an avoidance behavior. That was a legitimate tactic that her and Rick were kind of like, yeah. like we don't Certainly trust these first, people. Yeah. yeah, so it might be that she played the role so well that it, it, it got kind of crossed up in there, but... Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, and with Ed, her first instinct wasn't to run, right? Like, that was she probably could have. I don't know. She's such a different person, like yes. mentally. Her her toughness just she she wasn't that person back then. But and I still don't like her I, instinct was to just kind of tough it out. It's, right? It's one of those weird. It's like I agree with the emailer that that's what the show is trying to sell us on, but I don't know that those points all necessarily connect. And it's either right. needed more time or, yeah, I feel like they just needed to go less less far in that direction, and I would have been on board. But I don't know. They needed another episode or two before I believed that she would just run again. Yeah, but I, I don't know. So, well, apparently some people are are on board with it. Yeah, that's fine. It, so. I mean, that because I do think that's exactly what the show is trying to do. Whether it's successful or not is a, probably a lot. Uh, it's probably a lot about, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to say about that. Okay, well, Kimberly might chime in on this okay. from New York. Uh, she talks about Carol's personality change, says, I, too, can see how it looks like a rapid change, but I think it is PTSD. Never having had PTSD, I can't speak to how it comes on. Uh, but the whole group had been on high alert for so long, really just barely surviving, and then they come to Alexandria and get to slow down. They're still surviving, but it's more than that. Carol does her homemaking thing, but that was a real part of her old life, and she did seem to enjoy it. It must be difficult to have these pieces come back when you are a different person. I could definitely see a big personality conflict arise. And as for her choosing not to kill, I can see that. I can see how she had done it to survive, but she doesn't have to anymore, and it's actually a choice that they now that they are in Alexandria. Um, yeah, I mean, so that is a good point. Uh, Carol has not had an opportunity to slow down, and I think... Alexandria at first was not really that opportunity because she had to get in and she had to see what was up here. Is this another governor situation? Uh, what is going to need to be done here? And then once she realizes, okay, this is not a place that I really have to fear. Maybe some of the stuff she's done is, has started to weigh on her. Well, and that I also think that I, that's, I find this a more believable arc for her that she yeah. is a traumatized individual that did what she had to do to survive she gets in a situation where she can relax, but she chooses not to. By the time she gets around to relaxing and dealing with the actual post-traumatic stress, 
then the stressors come back again Mm -hmm. and she realizes kind of what the toll it's taken on her. So like there is a large stretch of Alexander where things were just going peachy King. And in fact, her and Rick were fucking up stuff more than they were helping. And she still was all coiled tight. And then by the time she let it down, then you had the wolf attack and then the zombie attack and then the savior attack. And she's confused. Yeah. (laughs) Emotionally confused. She's she's coming and going on. on, And then she, she really, she's, yeah, she's messed up in the head. I feel like they're going that way with Maggie a little bit too, especially with like Enid saying, look, take some time to rest. And she does this episode Mm -hmm. and she has a moment to, you know, not worry about the tomatoes not growing and shit like that. Fighting for her life or the governor shit that she went through. Like maybe that's part of what, uh, of the stress that's taking its toll and causing this problem with the baby or who knows. Uh, Christian writes in, and says, in your last podcast, you discussed the necessity of violence in a post-apocalyptic world and whether Carol is weak or not for not wanting to kill anymore to protect the people she loves. Although killing people is a necessary thing to do. This reminded me of the natural state created by Thomas Hobbes and his philosophic work, Leviathan. Holy shit. I know. Going, this is gonna, going this, Calvin and Hobbes on us? Yes. <laughs> this is going to get deep. Uh, in which he tries to deduct the legitimation of a sovereign state from a natural state. Now, stick with me here because this gets pretty intense uh, for for our typical email. This natural state describes Carol's conflict by means of rational acts of violence leading to an irrational scenario. In Hobbes' hypothetical natural state, there are no civic laws and no moral laws in place. The only right that matters is everybody's natural right of self-preservation. Similar to a post-apocalyptic zombie-infested world like in The Walking Dead, Uh, In order to achieve self-preservation, you need goods, and goods are scarce, so there is competition. And because there are no rules and laws, the rational thing to do is to mistrust other people. It is is rational to attack those people before they attack you. It is rational to arm yourself. If you don't arm yourself and or strike preventatively, other people who are less uncomfortable with violence and killing will kill you. The The result is a war of everybody versus everybody. But a war of everybody versus everybody is a highly undesirable, irrational situation because you live in constant fear. So the rational act of arming yourself and killing other people preventatively leads to an irrational situation. I think this contrast reflects the inner conflict of Carol. She knows that killing other people is a rational thing to do, but she can't tolerate the irrationality of the situation anymore. Later on, Hobbes argues that the same rationality dictates that you create a state and that you put a sovereign in charge which enforces the laws— you give up rights, but you gain peace. And you give them a monopoly on force. Yeah. Uh, perhaps Morgan building a prison is foreshadowing a world in which you try to establish some laws and some foreign political system so you have the chance to start to resolve the irrational war of everybody versus everybody. I thought AKA, that was... which I think is the actual legitimately interesting part yes. of a, an apocalyptic situation. Absolutely. And you've talked about that from sure. almost the beginning of this thing. Like, yeah. when are we going to get to that? Yeah. Do you think we're coming around to that finally? Has to be. Okay. Has to be. The fact that do you have other types of civilizations that you... I mean, that's... You know, this is model UN stuff, but uh, every nation out there does things differently. You know, you have some mm-hmm. that are kind of broadly in agreement, but you have to get along with everybody. You Just because right. someone wants to jail their political dissidents or someone wants to execute their criminals or... Which, you know, you, you can't go to war over every little moral and philosophical disagreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, I think that you have to essentially, you have to, res- the, 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 I guess the essential thing to be a good state is you have to respect the sovereignty of others. 
Sure. And there has to be some kind of of institutional sovereignty, right? There can't yeah. can't just be all for all for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's going to be interesting to see uh you know what are what are the limits of that going to be because they also there's there's intolerable acts as well like if someone right. doesn't respect other sovereign rights and you have to eventually put a stop to them or they'll take over the world or how yeah. much of the moral and ethical problems of like you know if you have one you know regime that is just completely destroying their people not respecting anyone's individual liberties like how much of that can you can the world tolerate before they're like, okay, fine, we need to put an end to this. Yeah, and that goes, that butts right up against Carol's storyline with yeah. uh, killing the people in the prison. Like, that's why she got banished in the first place, because she took unilateral Yeah, uh, and And she's action. interesting because what she's saying is that I believe that the state should have the power to, you know, kill or preserve life or whatnot, but I'm an individual that cannot allow that to happen. Right. Like, if someone comes, I don't give a shit what this policy or what our diplomacy is. I'm going to take this unilateral action. Therefore, I cannot live within this civil society. Right. Therefore, I need to be put myself outside of it. That's yeah. all interesting stuff. Sure. I, like I said, I, I feel like they cut a few corners to get there, but the, 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 the crux of it, I think, is interesting. Yeah, and it and I don't know if this is out of necessity, um, just given the plot, or if this is something they consciously did, but... It seems like now that we're in Alexandria and the threat is um, has largely been neutralized, or so they think at the beginning of this episode, certainly, mm-hmm. uh, and Alexandria can become some kind of civilization, that's never been a more pertinent issue than it is now. Uh, and so I think it is it is the right time to have these discussions with Morgan and Carol uh, and think about those ideas. Eve, North Carolina, says, I had mixed feelings about this episode, too show this popular should not have so many plot holes. Uh, she's actually talking about last episode because um, she mentions Daryl being unable to drive a stick shift. Uh, my feedback on the soldier uh, that Daryl finds on the motorcycle. Turns out Daryl had a lot further to fall. He also can't hear someone approaching <laughs> behind right. him in a woods. He's also not good at the things we know he's good at. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, she she wanted to comment about uh, the, the little statue that... Daryl finds in the right. motorcycle. We got a shitload of feedback on this. Tons yep. of people. Yep. Uh, we've well shit the bed. Um, they, I'll just talk about it in generalities. Thanks for for writing in, Eve. Though. Um, so apparently, okay. So we knew this was Daryl's bike. Uh-huh. We knew that this is the actual bike he built in Alexandria with Aaron, um, and that this is the bike that Dwight stole from him. Uh, what I forgot was that he got this statue and put it in the bike. Yes. Um, by like trading back the insulin to him, right? For for to save that girl's life. Which we did So this is the good deed that he did that is now coming back to haunt him. The problem with this and why I didn't remember it is because it made no sense at the time. We even remarked about when Daryl's like, I gotta trade, you know, I just don't give anything for free. Well, here's a carved wooden soldier, okay, I'll take it. Like, yeah, it was like a some kind of principle. If that was a genuine moment, it would have been memorable and you would have remembered it when it came back around, so Right. But that's where the statue comes from, and so many people wrote in about it. Now, what I really want to know is why, like, so no one has gone through that storage container ever since Dwight turned the bike over to the Saviors? Yeah, that little pouch on the bike? Yeah, like, I feel like that's something that, like, people just be, I feel like uh, once Primo got a hold of that, he'd been like, what is this shit? I'm going to pack this full of weed, you know? And <laughs> uh, Right. That, and that's why the, the chain of custody wasn't very clear either. 
it wasn't. It wasn't because I honestly didn't remember that he stuffed it into the bike's pouch. I thought he might have pocketed it. And and how the hell did he get in the bike? And like, yeah. But I guess that's it. He no, as soon as someone mentioned it, I remembered that, but I d- had no idea who ended up with the toy or what. So yeah. All right. Whatever. Well, lots of people also wrote in about this thing. Okay. Uh, we what? talked last episode to uh, I think it was Zach, the hunter, uh, who told us about the density of bones. Sure. And uh, how hard it is to plunge a knife in to a human skull mm-hmm. or to really any, any kind of bone. Okay. Eric E. and about a thousand other people wrote in, Eric E. was the first one, to say that they think knives are going into eyes and ears and soft parts, buttholes. I mean, uh-huh. knives are going in everywhere uh-huh. to kill these these humans and walkers. So okay. don't think about it too much. Uh, I feel like I've definitely seen some non-eye ear related no, kills. I've seen... But like it or the t- like there's like you know there's a pretty Temple's thin pretty, weak, pretty thin yeah. part of your skull right there um but i've also seen a lot of just dead center forehead shots on humans or humans, walkers yeah. cuz okay well yeah. that's what that's what rick did to this guy like when he when he was like uh, starting to torture and intimidate him and right. he just puts this it very right weak, between yeah. the guy's le- uh, eyes so you're right which is a pretty dense part like i would think that one of right the most your dense. forehead right there is like one of the thickest part of your skulls yeah I don't know, man. I don't know. A lot of people writing in. I'm sure we'll get more emails. We gotta get a pig. We we gotta get a pig head. We will have to prove it conclusively once yep. and for all. Yep. We'll, we'll try and go in through the pig's eye, going <laughs> through the pig's nose. Uh, the, 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 you know, you can't go through the snout. You can't go through the snout. <laughs> get a long enough knife, maybe you can. <laughs> the, well, I mean, that's the other problem we've had is all these chin shots, right? Like with short blades. Well, see, like I Three feel like that's blade. a great way if you're trying to target as someone's brainstem. But you need a like, long yeah, slate up and write it through there. That'd be you need a longer knife, though. I think. Yeah, we've or... seen some short knives. Sure, sure. Being passed off as kill shots. Yeah. Uh, all is right. Like all, like right here, this whole area is no brain. Right. No brain. No brain. All you can lose no. the whole thing. No brain. No skull, but conveniently sure. no brain either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, Landry says, uh, "I've had a question burning in my mind since I watched the episode twice as far." Seemed that Dwight and the group of saviors knew about Alexandrian slaughter of Negan's folk at the compound and about Carol and Maggie's barbecue on the kill floor. The way that Dwight mentioned this is not how we negotiate seemed to me that he knew about those previous encounters with the saviors. No, that's that's he's talking about the same shit that the guys got RPG'd at the side of the road is. Oh, is he? Yeah, like they, they like to come up and kill one of them okay. like for massive shock and then, then try to kill, I think kill him with kindness is what the saviors do. Okay. Well, then, Shock right. and awe, and then uh, the olive branch. Okay. I, I think it's also clear that whoever these people are, um, the saviors have lookouts. They have watchers. They have scouts. They're they're doing things similar to what Aaron was doing and, last Yeah, they season. have a protocol. They have a first contact protocol. Right. So it wouldn't be a stretch to me to say they've been lurking in the background the whole time, seeing everything that our group has been doing. Um, well, they clearly know about Alexandria. They know I think, a lot more than we think they know. Okay, but I, I don't know, because if they've just been sitting back and watching their ass get kicked in this whole time, that's stupid. Like, Well, I mean, it's not stupid to have someone hidden, and uh-huh. if shit goes wrong, report back, right? Because okay. like, one person isn't going to make the difference. If if a compound of fifteen dudes get taken out, I think it's a little bit like so. I feel like that you've got, um, you know, you've had these skirmishes, and that uh, it seems like the way things are going is that the saviors, uh, I'm going to assume, are a much larger organization, 
and Rick has uh, interpreted the skirmishes as decisive victories, whereas the saviors are seeing that as, oh, this is a problem. We need to start probing more in this area and build up more information. But like, if they've literally been sitting and watching Alexander for two months, it makes no sense that they allowed themselves to be taken out at their outpost. It makes no sense that... Um, oh right. Plus, right. when yeah. they plus that's here's the here's the proof that this is not a correct theory. Uh, we know the saviors were looking for the people that blew up the uh, bikers that jacked tried to jack Daryl, Abraham, and Sasha. Uh-huh. And when Rick hit the outpost, you know, one of the things Paula said to Maggie's like, "Oh, so you're the people that did that." So I don't. I think they were ignorant of Alexandria until very recently, but they were smart okay. and they've been looking for them. And, you know, that's why they've they've run into so many scouting and raiding parties, which is why I've thought it's been really stupid how our group has just been having these loud, raised voice conversations all over the damn place. Yeah. No, it seems to me like they might have been alerted um, when Maggie and Carol were taken hostage. Yeah. And they got on the radio and they called in reserves and or they called in backup. Sure, the backup was either coming from another encampment. Well, and we've seen time and time again how there's signs that say Alexandria, you know, this many miles. Like there's these, like I that should those should have all been pulled down. In the but it's a safe zone. They're they're welcoming people. I don't think that's true. Not not really. Yeah, Yeah, like that's what that's what Aaron and Daryl are for to find people, observe them from a distance, and recruit them. You don't want signs saying everybody show up here unless you're cannibals. Yeah, it'd be hilarious if uh, the Terminus folks tried that in the the D.C. area because the Saviors would have found them and kicked their asses all in. Right. Or, or maybe they trade them for meat. <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's uh, move on. Dr. DeVito says, is Carol's gun hidden in her sleeve um, that she kills the guys in the truck with supposed to be Walking Dead's version of Salvation Comes From Within, like the Bible with the hammer cut out at the end of Shawshank Redemption? Did you see any kind of thematic uh approach they were taking with carol and this hidden sleeve gun hmm. no i, I didn't it, I, I was too it was distracted just her by being resourceful yeah and also a very different approach than morgan like morgan won't kill period right carol just doesn't want to kill but mm-hmm. she made damn sure she was able to right she will kill yeah for sure uh but i, I don't know thought that was an interesting idea so Okay, another one where a thousand people wrote in, uh, but they're basically saying the same thing you said, with his, which is basically the logic of Morgan doesn't work. It's stupid for him to say uh, this all saved Denise, which saved Carl, when in fact he put Denise in danger in the first place. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to skip that. Thanks to everybody who wrote in about that. Luke says, just writing in a comment about the scene with Michonne and Rick in bed with the apple. Did you pick up on the biblical reference the writers were making? Oh, shit. I know. <laughs> oh, shit. Michonne takes a bite of the apple, gives it to Rick to eat, and he bites it. She then says, Jesus really came through for us this time. Now, obviously, in-universes are talking about Jesus the character. However, I can't help but think the writers intentionally staged the scene this way to make a funny little Easter egg about Jesus and the resurrection for giving original sin, especially since the episode aired on Easter Sunday. How co- okay. how cognizant do you think they were of when this episode was going to air? I don't know. Is that something man. you can know when you're writing? I I imagine because of the the you know especially with it butting up against the fear of the Walking Dead. I uh-huh. I, I don't know. I I will say that you got to be careful because uh, you know there's people that write in and get all pissed off as saying God damn. So 
you try you, you try to uh, make a Jesus allegory on Easter and The Walking Dead or the original. That's that's flying pretty close to the sun there. Okay, and I didn't. I definitely didn't read that into it, but I don't know that it's not there. Sure. Isaac says, even though I knew it was going to be horrible walking into it, I had to see Batman vs Superman. And stick with me because this is going. Okay, I was going to say, oh, <laughs> did you did you fuck up and put some feedback no, to our no. movie podcast? What's says it was way worse than I expected. Same thing with tonight's episode of The Walking Dead. Both entities are shitty pieces of work that, if called creative, would be laughable at best, but their popularity justifies their existence. I think the people, me included, watching the show are to blame. If we stopped watching it, they wouldn't make it, or at least they'd make it better so we would, but we don't. I've almost given up many times, but this is it. I'm officially giving up. Oh, man. Done with The Walking Dead. Oh, no. (laughs) I got to read one of these a season at least. Yeah, sure. Because that opinion is out there. Carol going sad all of a sudden. Uh, Daryl being an idiot. Morgan killing a walker simply by hitting him in the head with a stick. Not a sharp-ended stick, but snapping his neck sideways, huh? And also, Dwight got his dick all chewed up the day before, and he's already back in action. Uh, I've gotten a swift gust of air to my nether region and was put out of commission for hours. <laughs> so a bite, not buying it. We didn't really talk about that. He did get a vicious dick bite. He did get a vicious dick just, bite. Just a day before? I don't know. We don't really know how long it's been, or do we? Plus, he's wearing jeans. That's my thing. No, if, we if do know how long it's been. these people wore denim, they Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I think you could take a bite to the dick and still keep trucking. Uh, well, how are we going to test that theory? You know, you can't exactly... Bite a pig's dick and see how it goes. <laughs> oh, no, we need through, a live one for that, though. That's through not denim? Uh, yeah, I, that's... A lot of people said that the, he sustained... The injury he sustained, but I don't... That's got to be like, ha-ha. Like, you would... you would Unless he bit the dick off... Right, And right. got infected, I think you'd recover by the next day. Yeah, you'd be sore, but you could power through it. Sure. I mean, like... I mean, unless... Uh, I don't. I don't know that he got a hold of any of the truly sensitive, like the ultra sensitive parts. Like you, you bite it, into a testicle, yeah. and pop that thing open. You're not gonna yeah, have a yeah. good day. He crushed a testicle, fine. <laughs> yeah, but I, I. He said they said it was a dick bite. So <laughs> and it's through a layer of denim. Right. Right. I think he's good. Yeah. Uh, Jack says thought I'd pitch in on something that probably won't get read but is becoming uh increasingly noticeable despite the ups and downs of the season something dawned on me about 10 minutes in where's carl been this season when he appeared with that bat gun i actually forgot that he existed so seeing him on screen was a bit bizarre did a bit of research and it turns out that after that for 12 episodes this season he's either been absent or had minimal involvement in the episode Hmm. i went back further and it seems like season five was roughly the same it's a shockingly low turnout for one of the original characters do you is he uh his schoolwork keeping him busy? <laughs> like Chandler Riggs? They... I gotta say that it's there's not been a lot like to be fair, there hasn't been exactly a history of Carl heavy episodes. Like you might see him in the background or whatever, true. but yeah. like I, I don't know that I've gotten less Carl. I mean, arguably he's had more roles, meaty roles with his interactions with God, I've already forgotten the kid's name. Enid or uh, Ron? Ron. Yeah. Uh, with with Ron and Enid, uh, mm-hmm. and the kind of his maturity and getting his eye blown out, and I, I don't know. I feel like he's 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 had a, a just fine amount of. Daryl's the one that I think has been a wall up until his last few episodes. Yeah, I agree. They haven't done much with him. Um. So okay, yeah, I I mostly agree with you. I don't I don't know that I've really wanted to see a whole lot more from Carl right now. I'm getting enough Carl in my life. Yeah, adequate amount of Carl. 
Okay. Uh, Judd B asks about a wrap-up cast. Are you guys still doing one? Yes. I think uh, season's been good enough to where we can we can talk about it in relation to the other seasons, <laughs> and, the first half. And as a reminder, because I'm assuming we'll drop this ad in somewhere else in the podcast, but we are also doing um, a playthrough of the next episode of Michonne's uh, yeah, Walking Telltale, Dead, Walking Telltale Dead video game. game. Uh, we mm-hmm. did the first one. These are these are for club members only. So if you want to pony yep. up a buck or two to get access and enhance your membership, I ain't gonna be mad at you. Bad guy Michonne. Bad guy. Bad guy Michonne. So we'll be doing uh, next week. We'll the finale sometime next week. We'll release the episode of Michonne, and the week after that, we'll do a wrap up cast. Okay. Uh, that's it. That's it for the feedback. Okay. I cut a lot of people, so I'm sorry. We just had an avalanche. Lots of dry pie going through Holy people's shit. system. Uh, yeah. We do have a spoiler section, yeah? We do. Okay. So uh, I guess we'll we'll get to that. All right. Uh, if you'd like to send us feedback, watchingdeadatbaldmove.com or forums.baldmove.com. And now for the spoiler section. We're back with the spoiler section. Uh, I've got a, I don't know, four four emails or so, five emails. Well, what I want to talk about is the the uh, the, uh, the obvious foreshadowing of Carl's gun, right? Like that's probably Negan Negan's gun, yeah. Like, oh, his actual gun, or yeah, because I'm thinking I thought maybe it could just who be an would acolyte? be so up Negan's ass that they are putting Polaroids of Negan's victims of getting beat to death with Lucille up in their bunk, mm-hmm. and also would carve a symbol of his baseball bat into their gun. So are you saying Negan's dead? I mean, he can't be dead. No, I don't think we he's dead. I think I think that's yet. Negan's bedroom. That you know, well, but someone was sleeping in that bed, and it's also pretty ballsy yeah. to sleep in Negan's bed. And how would they get his actual gun if they hadn't killed him? Or my expectation was that you know he's got some shit than all the outposts, and he chooses to stay there or not. I don't understand the bed thing, but I I was thinking up until I started really thinking about it right now that we're going to see a scene where Negan relieves Carl of his gun. Oh, you've got my you've you've been keeping right. You've been keeping Bradley warm uh-huh. for me or something. I I don't know, but. He names his gun Bo Jackson. Yeah, really shitty, like, prison tattoo quality etching on this gun. Yeah, it was bad. Like, I thought it was a name. I thought it was like, is this Enid? Like, is she, like, like Andy in Toy Story writing her name and all the guns? I'm looking at it, and I'm trying to figure out what, and then I realize, oh, shit, it's a fucking baseball bat with a loose wrap of bob barbed wire, which isn't what Lucille looks like either, so what the fuck? Yeah, I was wondering if this is, like, some some symbol that represents the uh, the Saviors and Negan as a whole. Like, is this something that they've kind of rallied around? Huh. On a, on a sort of ideology, you know, yeah. similar to any this symbol for... Yeah. For the Saviors. Sure. Uh, the other thing I want to point out is the man trying to steal a horse with a spear is an obvious foreshadowing of the kingdom. Uh, because all of the knights, huh. the Ezekiel's knights in the kingdom, wear this kind of body armor, and they're mounted, and they have the, okay. the spears and whatnot. And I also wonder if the people that ran into Carol are also people from the kingdom who are have been deputized by the saviors to find Rick and those people. And that Rick huh. is in, is inadvertently stepped on his dick by being indiscriminate in who he's killing. 
because he's going to could be you know all out war essentially is the alliance between Alexandria the kingdom and the hilltop yeah and I and, remember there was some tensions with Ezekiel and, and I couldn't remember if it's just because you know, Ezekiel is a kooky guy and that's the other thing I I I thought because I was trying to explain this to my girlfriend and I remember that like Ezekiel has this like chivalry system set up and he has all of his people he refers to his like soldiers as knights and. But I also remember that not all of his, his people think this is a bit eccentric, but they go along with it because they respect Ezekiel, or maybe it's because he's got the tiger. <laughs> um, but I remember the kingdom being kind of a fucked up, weird place. I don't know how it's going to read on television. Okay. But clearly this guy and, and, and Glenn saying the world's bigger, and Morgan saying, oh, you know. Came this, from the west, the east, whatever, yeah, yeah, all yeah. that There's, shit. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to, I feel like they're going to get to the kingdom. Whether we have a tiger, or there's a live tiger, a CGI tiger, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Paper tiger. Um, maybe they'll really downplay the whole feudal aspect of the kingdom and just have, like, you know, mm-hmm. it makes sense if you send your soldiers in body armor. Like, why wouldn't you? Right. Like, why do you yeah. let them wear fucking tank tops and short shorts? Like, put them in fucking armor. Yeah. So, anyway, that's that's what I got. What do you got? Uh, I have an email from Nick H., who wants to talk about Glenn and Maggie and respective deaths and, and their movements around town. Okay. Says, uh, I'm a listener who used to listen to three or four Walking Dead podcasts. Uh, and I'm just here to suck your dick, so I'm not going to read that part. <laughs> anyway, I'm emailing for the first time to call BS. As long BS- as it's not a bite. <laughs> as long as it's not a bite. Well, I added that part. Anyway, I'm emailing for the first time to call BS on the feedback that you got for this past episode about Denise's death serving no purpose. In the comics, Glenn and Maggie decide to move to the hilltop, which sets the story in motion when Negan shows up and bashes Glenn's head in on their way there. Now, in the show universe, Glenn and Maggie have no reason to want to move to the hilltop. However, with Alexandria's That's not only... True. Do- He's getting there. Okay. However, with, a- with Alexandria's only doctor dead and an OBGYN at the hilltop, I think that Denise's death will solidify their decision to move to the hilltop and put the plan in motion for Negan to show up during the finale and fuck shit up. This must have been before we saw this episode. This this feedback came in last week because now you got Maggie with an obvious baby crisis. Right. It may have come in, yeah, after which I- last episode. Okay, which I assume is going to motivate them to – that's going to be the impetus for them going to the hilltop? Seems like it. Yeah. I can't imagine. Although Denise, I don't even know if Glenn's going to make it back. Like, how the fuck does Glenn get out of this situation and get back to where Maggie and him moved to the hilltop? That, like, even with the the this show can't get out of his own pacing issue. Now, yeah. next week's going to be a ninety minute episode. Um, but even still, it feels like they're a little bit rushed. Like they got too many fucking irons in the fire heading up into this final confrontation. I just can't imagine a scenario where these people get away from Dwight and his goons. They're they're outnumbered. They're disarmed. Like, no, I think that nobody Negan's knows show where they are. Up with them all outside the gate. It's going to be eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Beat someone to death, and then everybody else can go free because look at how mag- magnanimous, 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 but whatever. Magnanimous, yeah. Uh, look and, how meslomathiamy. And then, so so what happens after that? Like I don't know the exact timeline here. So. Glenn and Maggie then move to the hilltop, decide they're leaving Alexandria. Well, that depends whether Glenn's brains are leaking out or not. Like, so I guess so. So is is there enough right. time to do all that? I, Glenn, I don't think you can put him. Glenn in danger and Michonne twice. is captured. Do we? Rosita is captured too because she was right by uh, Daryl when when Daryl got his, yeah, his all, shoulder. Yeah, so everybody who went captured. out is captured except for Morgan and Rick on his way back. Because like I don't, it, it doesn't seem like there's time for them either of them to escape or for Dwight to come back and say, 
you know, I'll let your people go as a show. I mean, I'm trying to think of how Glenn gets back into Alexandria and then joins Maggie to go to the hilltop. It just feels like that. I, I don't know. Like he's just going to go to hilltop without him. Right. I mean, we're in a spoiler section, so fuck it. I know that that's one of the things that they try to do next episode is to get Maggie to the hilltop to save her baby. So, it, but it can't be with Glenn. It can't be. I it can't, I can't be because imagine. Because the, the other big spoiler from this episode is that it's going to end on Lucille killing somebody, and we don't know who we don't because know it who. goes to first-person POV. So many people wrote in to tell me whoa, whoa, whoa. about this. You mean we're not going to see who actually dies? We are not going to see who dies. This year? It's going to go to first-person POV from an Alexandrian. Somebody gets hit with it. The camera drops over. There's another squishy bat sound, and oh, it fades to black. Oh, for fuck's sake. I know. I know. It's the worst. It's uh, the fucking worst. <laughs> so many people wanted oh to know, what do we think God. about this as a cliffhanger? Oh, my God. I, I, I just, that's not... Did you not know? It's not interesting. It's not interesting. It's just like to get people talking about something that doesn't have any weight to it. Like, who is not really the weight? It's what. What happens afterward? Yes. How will they react yes. to it? And we've talked about this time the and time again. The cliffhanger is Negan doing this, and now what does Rick do in response? Right. Not who fucking dies. Why do they fucking not understand that? It's uh, like it's they don't know how the cliffhanger. Yeah. They don't know how to cliffhanger. I know. The cliffhanger of Best of Both Worlds Part 1 wasn't, which of the bridge staff is going to be fucking kidnapped by the Borg? <laughs> it's fucking Picard's kidnapped by the Borg. How does this change the equation? What are they going to do about it? God damn it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so furious. Oh. It's the worst. I really hope that's oh. wrong, but so many, like, and spo- you know, spoiling the dead has it on their site, and I think they're usually right, so. I got the taste of rancid dick in my know. mouth, because this last few episodes, I've been through walking. Through the jeans. Through the wow. jeans. I've been walking back my criticism of Kirkman, saying, like, you know what, in a fucked up post-spoiler universe and, and world society, maybe the game he's been playing is not a fuck you to the fans, but a... I'm going to do this to protect you from your own worst impulses. And then if this is true, uh, it just feels like fundamentally bad writing. And also like, that's the gut punch of is, is seeing like Glenn in the comics beat to death. And the reaction that was like, if it was a first person perspective and you miss all that, and then you come back and it's the aftermath. Like I get it. Part of this might be like, how do we show this on AMC? Mm hmm. But it's just a raw. I mean, I saw a it's, guy get beat his brains out yeah. with baseball bats. Don't tell me you can't show this. Episodes I, the, ago, the, or a few there was a fan fucking tastic shot of someone getting their guts eaten out this episode, which sure. I didn't talk about, but was awesome. Uh, one of one of the one of Dwight's guys who's yeah. still on the tracks is being eaten a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. eaten dead, dead by a zombie. Uh, Tell me you can show a man's guts being eaten out of their body, but you can't show someone getting hit with I'm, a baseball bat. I'm talking bat. about in the opener of Terminus, we saw Glenn, Hems- like, we saw several guys get beat to death with a baseball bat and their throat slit. We talked about how horrific it was. Right. Right, we did. Like, yeah. this is, man, I'm really disappointed because that's that's yeah. not how you cliffhanger, man. No, for sure. Like, arguing who got the bat is the least interesting part of it. God damn it, people. I can't I can't even understand it. Like from a hype perspective, does that do it? Is that what people want to talk about in this fan community? Like is that 
We've been no, because the, the, the spoiler-friendly comic community or the people have been talking about this. We're done talking about it, right? We've been talking about it all season. I want to see it executed and executed well, so that next season I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to see how this is resolved. I know, yeah, it's man, crazy. Man, I'm really bummed out, dude. <laughs> I wish you'd save this for the very end of the podcast. Well, we got a couple more emails that I'm not even sure at the moment don't have anything to do with this. Uh. Let's see. Dan from Philly says, I've been on Spoil the Dead too long and I'm embarrassed to say they're never wrong. And the word is that this will be a total cliffhanger as to who Negan kills. Um, if it's, it's done from the POV of the victim, so apparently we won't know until next season. My question to, guy, to you guys is, if this happens, do you think it's another complete fuck up, which we've talked about? And do you think the audience is at that critical time in the show when they get placed, when they get played once too often and just write it off and move on to something else. So I guess that's an interesting question. Do you think that this will actually persuade anybody to quit watching this show? Well, it's weird because if, la- if this half season was as bad as last half season, I think you would have been at a critical juncture and you yeah. would have been hemorrhaging audience and this would be, uh, well, I want to see if they fuck up the ne- oh, they fucked up the Negan introduction, I'm out. Since this season, half season has been so relatively good mm-hmm. up until this last... God damn it. Why did I have to say, I don't see how in the world they could fuck up the last <laughs> two episodes. <laughs> it's like I'm daring them to, right? Right, right. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm probably... Even as bad a fuck up this is, I still think that there's a lot of interesting story for them to tell in the all-out war and post-all-out war. And I'm, I honestly can't see anything at this point that would make me stop watching until we get to the flash forward. Okay. Because how far in the future is that? I feel like the next we'll have next season of All Out War. Okay. And then we should, if they go with the comic, flash forward. Now they could do the further adventures of Rick and Carl and fill in the that two year, however many year gap it was. Um but I, I don't I, to me I think the time um the time gap works in their favor because they can just play uh, you know Chandler Riggs as this he as this he is a late teenager and kind of they finally have gotten right with his chronology right um so and they they've got so many I mean by that time they'll have fifty more issues past that that they probably can can burn through I don't man I don't know that I just can't believe that they thought that was the way to do it I I just yeah. don't I don't see how that makes I don't see how that makes it out of the writers room I really don't yeah. I don't know. I mean, so much of this show seems constrained by budget. I mean, I've I cut a couple of emails that were talking, you know, about that's not a issues, budget constraint. That's particular thing, though, right? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, how much time do they have writing these episodes? You know, is it something where they're like, you get this deadline for writing and that's it? But and for the finale, yeah, I don't, I don't it, know, man. I mean, it's like, oh, we only got fifteen more minutes to write the finale. Well, fuck it, POV it. And that seems like a thing that comes up on day one, right? Like, yes. we know we have this moment. What do we do with it? And also, Gimple, what the fuck? I get it that you've got, like, I guess time off. But as a showrunner, aren't you thinking about this show? And you're, like, don't you have a notebook where you're jotting down ideas? And Yeah, probably. Like, if he's yeah. not coming in to first day of class with a fucking outline, what the hell is he doing? I don't know, um, man. That's This This seems pretty... Oh, wow. Uh... 
Yeah, I can't right. wait to see Seppenwall. This, I cannot <laughs> wait to see him next week. Maybe he's that's gonna... why he noped out. Has he seen the finale? Do we I don't know? think he has, but who knows with him. He could have already seen it, and you right. know, does he Just write it? With, like... it's, it, and can you – is it possible to write a review if you have spoiler knowledge without any – like without even coloring your opinion? I don't think it is. I don't think so, no. Um, so, jeez. All right, let me take your mind off that with one final email. Uh, Jono, he wrote in with just a shit, a metric shit ton of calculations on whether or not you could stab through a human skull, uh, with a knife and different states of composition. I'm not going to go into that because is this a spoiler? It's too much. Yeah. Um, well, it's something we can only talk about in the spoiler section. Ah, so, um, after determining how quickly a body decomposes, uh, and saying that this would effectively in a two year jump, kill off all the walkers. Um, do you think that's a possibility? Is there any chance that this, that the walking dead gets to a state where there are no walkers anymore? I don't, I don't see that happening. I can't imagine that they're so worried about reality here that decomposition would be so much of a factor that they'd let that threat completely go away. I think there will always be walkers in the show. Uh, I just don't think they're the main focus anymore. Certainly. The herd to me was like a final gasp of the walkers. Well, so and you know one of the interesting things they do because I read a couple episodes past the flash forward, uh, and that's where I stopped. Like right when they got into if, if you're familiar with it, the mm. whispers plotline, they're about halfway through the whispers when I I stopped reading. Not because I was not enjoying it, but because I'm like I'm so far ahead, and I was seeing how my enjoyment of the series is being adversely blah blah blah. I've talked about this a million times. Um, one of the more interesting things is that they've kind of gone into a post-herd society where they now actively manage herds okay. in a way that's kind of they used a lot in Rick's shitty plan with the quarry. Like, you know, essentially you get on horseback and you get a, you, you have scouts way outside of the cities. And at this point, they're protecting multiple civilizations. You have these scouts, these these border skirmishers that are looking for these herds. And when they see them coming... You have this whole system of leading them away and diverting their, you know, like you try. It's it's kind of like, you know, how we would deal with an asteroid. First, you got to identify them. Second, you uh-huh. got to come up with a plan to divert them because you can't stop them. You got to nudge them out of the path. Sure. And they have this whole system that's kind of interesting in how they do that. Um, so I, there's still shit tons of walkers in the uh, post time jump. Whether that makes any kind of logical sense, whether they're going to be essentially army of darkness style, right? Meat skeletons eventually. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I to me that feels like where it would go. I don't think they're going to eliminate that threat just nah. just through natural causes. No, I, I don't see that happening. Um, but you know, maybe they'll prove me wrong. Although, I mean, I, I guess like if this was going for like, didn't someone say twenty years? Like, wasn't that, like, the plan? I don't know. Like, if you go 20 years in the future, then, like, you're still always going to have the deal of you go to bed with somebody and you wake up and they're eating you because they become a zombie. They died from natural causes or whatever. Right. You're always, I mean, the threat of instant zombification is always, it's just going to be different. You're not going to be going into buildings and having tons of walkers lurking around. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you also aren't you the big Max Brook guy that like you could have a whole bunch of zombies frozen up in Canada that thaw on a seasonal basis and you get like a fresh wave right. of walkers coming from the wet you know or coming out of the oceans or whatever the fuck <laughs> I don't know about the oceans that it's a pretty harsh environment but yeah I, I from the north sure yeah 
where where their decomposition is halted for a good chunk of the year. Yeah, yeah. Then again, you don't have a lot of people living in those places. So right. how big like can all the herds of really is be? Like 30 million, isn't it? 30, 40 million? So, I'm not totally sure, but it's much it, it's much less than you think given the landmass. It's much yeah, it's much less than you think with like 300 some million people in 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 the United States. Yeah. And then you you would think that Central and South America would they would rot faster because it's hotter. So, so not much coming up from the south, probably. I wouldn't think. Uh, I don't know. I just don't think the show's going to go there. Yeah, I think they want that constant background threat. Sure. Uh, it's, it's it's honestly, if you think about it, it's one of the least unbelievable things about the right. show featuring Walking Dead. Yeah. So who cares? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's it. That's all we got for feedback. All right, again, one last time, watching dead at baldmove.com or forums.baldmove.com if you want to discuss this. Uh, get at us. Yeah, and if not... Uh, Just a reminder, we'll be back do. for the finale. We will have the season review wrap-up, and we will have another episode of Bad Guy Michonne, yep. uh, the Telltale playthrough uh, for club members only. Right. So uh, Coming next week. Whenever you tune in next, we'll see you then. Bye-bye.